Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to episode 18 of the Baseball From Home podcast. I'm Connor McKnight, he's Joe Brand, and we're brought to you by the House of L Podcast Network. I've been covering baseball for radio stations in Chicago the last 10 years. Joe's been broadcasting minor league baseball for the last nine. He covers the White Sox and the Cubs for WGN Radio. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at C1McKnight. He is at Joe underscore Brand1, and we have both been tweeting all week long that the sky is falling and nothing is good. Uh, except for the podcast where you can subscribe and rate and review. Boy, we love it when you do that. There's going to be some there's going to be some wailing, some rending of garments, some gnashing of teeth. There's uh, there's some unrest in Chicago baseball right now. But if you would just subscribe and rate and review the pod and tell your friends to do the same thing, we'd really like it and we promise to keep on pumping out podcasts even if the bullpen sucks. I don't even know what team I'm talking about. Joe, what else we could talk about today? Uh, we could probably talk about Kevin Cash's uh, possibility of winning the American League Manager of the Year award. I, I think that that will finally come to fruition. Uh, could you ever expect that the Bears had the most promising week of offense in Chicago? Uh, could you oh, ever expect hurts. that? Because they're so bad. They're so bad. That team is smoke and mirrors, and they ran out of mirrors. And they're probably going to be 3-0. And still, oh, my God, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, none of this would be possible without David Hochberg and all of the fine folks at Team Hochberg. They helped me put a roof over my head. They sponsor the House of L Network and our show, too. Team Hochberg helped me wrap up the mortgage on my place in Wicker Park. They were absolutely fantastic. Not only... That they hold the hand of this first-time homebuyer the entire way through, but they took the time to get to know me and the circumstances around at the time, my job, my life, you know, all this kind of stuff. I was working a ridiculous schedule at the time. I think it was I was working the Sox job, and I I had like zero time, zero negative time on my hands to go buy a house. So of course that's when I decided to do it. Uh, could not have done it without my realtor and without Team Hochberg. They were fantastic. You should call David and his friends at 855-56-DAVID or head to the website at 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS 1124061. So let's do the really gross and disgusting numbers first and see if they make us feel any better. The White Sox are now 34-23 and 23 after getting themselves clubbed in Cleveland. 91.8 and 62.1 is the record if you do the COVID math. 596 winning percentage is under 600 for the first time in a long time, and that would be a 97-win ball club if you spaced it out over 162 games. The Cubs are now 32-25 and 25 after losing far too many to the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
That's 86.4 and 67.5 via COVID math. They're at a 561 clip right about where they've been uh, for two months now. A 91-win team is what they'd be if they were allowed to play 162 games. And and quite honestly, I don't know that the Cubs nor the White Sox should be allowed to play 162 games right now. That's how poorly all of the offense is working on both sides of town. That's how bad the bullpens are on both sides of town. It's all horrendous. I'm going to make a unilateral decision, Joe. And because, you know, full disclosure, we do that here. We pull back the curtain on the Baseball From Home pod. It's 8.37 Thursday evening. The White Sox just finished losing their game to the Indians about 40 minutes ago. So I think we start with the White Sox. I think we start with the White Sox, and I think we start with the decision Ricky Renteria made to go to Carlos Rodon with Indians all over the bases in a situation he hasn't been in in 2015, a situation that turned very quickly unsuccessful and cost the White Sox yet another game against the Indians. And now has them one game back in the Central. On the post-game show, White Sox manager Ricky Renteria was asked by intrepid NBC Sports Chicago reporter Vinny Duber about the decision to bring Rodon into a game and a situation where he has zero experience. Zero of like-kind experience. Renteria... I guess, to his credit, did say, put it on me, which I think White Sox fans are more than willing to do. I don't know how that decision gets made in a playoff race. I It doesn't make sense to me. And it, it almost means there has to be something else going on in that bullpen, or it's a colossal mistake that will not be made again because it can't be. Those are the only two things I could see. I think it's definitely part of B. And Ozzie Guillen alluded to this in the post-game show on NBC Sports Chicago and said, well, this is Chuck Garfine's idea, too. It just seems like he's more managing towards the anticipation of the playoffs right now, if anything. And I think you can look back to a couple days ago, his decision to... Only have Alex Colomay throw six pitches in the ninth, and a back spasm prevented him from coming out in the tenth. But the fact that he th- threw in the bullpen on Wednesday totally allows and validates questions to how serious a back spasm could be in that situation. I actually I talked to a few trainers just because the whole thing kind of baffled me. So I was just very confused about it, and I wonder, is this just more fuel to the fire of Ricky Renneria? But it's... Yes, it is the decisions that have been going on, Connor, but it's it's the comments afterwards to me that don't really add up as much. Like you said, he said Carlos Rodon took the mound because that was a spot where he could get one out. Okay, really don't like that reason why he's on the mound in a pennant race situation where you really need that out and you really need that win. But he goes on to say he's a big league starter. He's handled those types of situations before. You said it. No, he hasn't. He really has not. He's come out of the bullpen four times in his career. The first three times were the first three appearances of being a major league pitcher. He has come into a dirty inning twice, and only once has he come into a game 
needing one out. That was his major league debut. It wasn't against a very hot Indians team. I don't get it. It's it's baffling. I know that. And I, I'm sure it's tempting. Like, I, I allowed myself for a moment to think about it as best I could from that situation, right? And to be honest, Joe, like, I know this sounds, this is going to sound goofy and stupid, but I, I try and do this with the mindset that I'm playing MLB The Show. Of course. And doing it in a like a, like my long-term franchise season, right? If I had just gotten Rodon back from the injured list and, you know, had made the adjustments in my rotation, I could see myself thinking like, oh, now I got Rodon, who's, you know, an 83 as a starter, but probably an 89 as a reliever, and he's got that slider. And if the matchup's not all that bad, shoot, yeah, I'd love to get him out there for a quick thing, see how that makes the rest of the bullpen look. It's just, and if he gets out of that inning, if Rodon, let's play it this way. If Rodon gets out of that inning, then then you are saying, huh, I don't know why you go to him. That's kind of a dicey move. But if he can get you big outs out of the bullpen come playoff time, that's really something this White Sox squad could use. What with the DFA of Ross Detweiler and a STC check to make room for both Rodon and Bummer on this roster. Like, don't, don't twist it. There, You can see the positives that Renteria was probably thinking about when he made the move. It's just that in this case, it's a playoff race, and I don't have to go any... Like, Frank Thomas is on the post-game show trying to rip out any hair that he didn't shave off. Like, this is... You can't do that then. That is not the time, nor the opponent, nor the score, nor the time of game to get that guy in and go for that bonus. It's just the fact that he didn't pitch that well this year. I... I Aaron Bummer's the guy that pitched well this year. Aaron Bummer's the guy that comes out of the bullpen. Aaron Bummer's the guy that you need for one out. Probably longer in the playoffs, but but that's the recipe. I, I get it if you want a short outing for the guy, but yeah, read the room. Read the context. There's a time and place for Carlos Rodon to come in and get one out, and that's not it. So again, it goes it goes back to just I honestly that's that's Ricky Renneria's best argument in my eyes right now. Hey, I'm looking for what we're going to do in the playoffs, how everything gets set up in the postseason. I want a healthy club. I want to see what these guys can do in tough situations. He's not going to say that. It's easier to go just what the game plan was, put it on me, okay, fine, whatever. But again, I go back to the Colome thing because I, I was on I was on Renneria's side for putting in Colome in the ninth inning. You got to get to the 10th. You need your closer in, in a tense situation. It doesn't matter if you're ahead or behind. But then when he doesn't go out there for the 10th, and then he warms up on Wednesday, so I asked three trainers. I know three trainers from the minors, but they they all have major league experience. One trainer says, because I say, okay, what's the severity and the recovery of a back spasm for a major leaguer? One goes, hard to tell. Could be two days. Could be three weeks. Another one says, a couple of days if it's a spasm, longer if it's a disc issue. Next one says, oh, the word spasm is grounds to be skeptical on what's going on. It's kind of the umbrella term. Basically, everyone says could be a couple of days. So so he, he's if you're going that reserved route, if you want to make sure Alex Colomay is okay for the playoffs, okay. But then Wednesday when he doesn't go with him and he goes with Gio Gonzalez, he says, well, the situation was we'd bring in Colomay if the Sox had the lead. Well, wait, why? Because the Sox didn't have the lead on Tuesday, 
So why is it okay to bring him in in the ninth there and not then? And then I, I bring up I bring up the situation to these trainers, and two out of the three goes, yeah, that's that's a little sketchy. Uh, it's it's a little weird to see uh, a precautionary reason like that, and then him throwing the next day. Another one said, which again would lead to what I think would be Rick, Ren- Rick Renneria's best argument right now. He's probably doing it for precautionary reasons for the playoffs. And I go, yeah, but you know the division. He's like, yeah, division's great. And I'm like, yeah, but the seating. And he's like, okay, maybe I guess. But but that I guess that's the only thing Ricky Renneria. Again, that's the best argument in my eyes. Ricky Renneria has for himself right now. He's managing towards the playoffs. But they lost these playoff games. Yeah, right, right, right. I, I got told forever ago that if you say back spasm, that's cover for anything from the guy's spine is severed and we don't want to tell anybody yet to somebody screwed up and we don't want to tell anybody yet. Like, it, it's not a thing. It's not a, that's not a thing. That's not the, that is a symptom at best. It's not the cause of an issue. Nobody just has a back spasm not really. I, I think you got all kinds of cause for concern here. I do think that, I mean, like it or not, and I know a lot of White Sox fans don't, like it or not, Ricky Renteria has learned from bad mistakes before. I mean, he's, he just has. And, and the fact of the matter is, now that you have Aaron Bummer, who's shown you that he's got a healthy inning, I would imagine he's going to have one more inning before the playoffs start, right? Maybe one, maybe maybe probably one, I guess. There's only three more games left, three against the Chicago Cubs, and I, I don't know if you want to work Aaron Bummer in back-to-back days, so that means one game in that three-game set before the playoffs. You, you've got better pitchers now. You don't have to rely on Steve Ciszek, and Ross Detweiler's magic has evaporated, for better or worse, and, and I... I I don't mind that bullpen. God, Cody Hoyer just was magnificent for you all series long against the Indians. And there's other guy, you know. I mean, there's there's other dude. Matt Foster's been fun all year. Um, I I think the White Sox are okay. It's just it they're they're going through some pretty predictable issues as a team offense right now. You would hate for those issues to collide at the same time with some poor decision-making and cost you two extra games, but it, it seems like that's what has happened. I still give them the ability, I still kind of credit them for the ability to bounce out of this and win the first round of the playoffs, win in the first round of the playoffs, but shoot, I'd really rather it not have to be against the Yankees. I have multiple positives to pull from this series, believe it or not, and it's not so much what the White Sox did, it's just kind of what they have going for them. In a few cases, it's it's what they did. But yeah, seeding seating kind of rules in this playoff race for the American League, because no one wants to play the Yankees, nobody wants to play the Cleveland or Minnesota right now, and until maybe this week, no one wanted to play the White Sox. I mean, Houston is the team everyone kind of wants to play right now because they're all banged up. Now they don't even have Justin Verlander. Um, So that's why seeding is so important. I don't have to tell Sox fans that. But here are my positives. Here are my positives I have for the White Sox heading into the final weekend. I'm sure a lot of Sox fans remember that last week of 2005 where they nearly coughed up the division. And, and everyone was ready to just crawl into their holes and, and just throw away the Sox hat and act like they weren't a fan at all during their promising year. But guess what? 
They won the division. They never even dropped out of first place that entire year, but they almost coughed up the division. And that edge towards the last week ended up being huge for that team because they went on a roll. Now, yeah, of course, it's easy to just say, well, you know, it's you, you hit rock bottom, you work your way back up. But they are playing in playoff games, and they are facing adversity that they really hadn't faced except for the beginning of the year when they were trying to figure themselves out. You mentioned the guys they have now. They have Aaron Bummer. They're probably going to get Evan Marshall. Carlos Rodon didn't do it today, but they still have him in the bullpen, which I'm going to say I like Carlos Rodon in the bullpen more than Steve Ciszek right now. And how about Reynaldo Lopez? How about Reynaldo Lopez? His last three starts at 235 ERA. He's done well against Minnesota. He's done well against Cleveland. Those are two playoff teams. And Juan Mancada, it's it is it's scary and it's kind of sad, especially when Stone and and Benetti went in on how much he's out of breath and everything. But he's it looks like he's hitting the ball healthier. The ball is coming off his bat harder. His triple against Karinchek on Wednesday was nearly 110 exit velocity. So at least that part of Yohan Mankata seems to be coming back. There are still some positives. And yes, the team still can win the division. Two things here. One, you reminded me of the uh, that last week in 2005. I was a junior in college. And that last week of baseball by the White Sox was one of the few things that kept me sober all fall. Uh, too scared to do anything but watch that game that week and... And just sit there paralyzed. Uh, smart enough as a junior to know to not add on to the issue there, uh, but not smart enough to make anything better for myself grades-wise. The the other thing is Moncada, and I'm glad you brought it up. I am... Oh, how do I put this? I The White Sox television broadcast is a very aware and uh, connected broadcast. They talk to guys. They see guys. They have a lot of people who trust in them and trust them to get their side of the story, uh, for lack of it. Not that they'd spin things necessarily, but just to to seek that all side of the story kind of approach and deliver it to you. So if they're having... I'll say this really quick. Can I pop in just because Jason Benetti, I don't know any other TV play-by-play guys that are in the pregame meetings, view the Zoom meetings. Jason Benetti is one of those guys. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. All you got to do is spend five minutes with Benetti, and you know that if you spent five minutes with Benetti and then said only one guy is in those pregame meetings, guess who it is? You're picking Benetti every time. Like, it just kind of makes sense. I, I guess that is to say when it gets brought up like that on the broadcast, it is for you White Sox fans to understand it. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't... This isn't something where they're making an excuse for anybody about any damn thing. They don't need to do that. He's Steve Stone. It's He's good, right? It worries me. Um, it, it really scares me that Yoan Mankata is still dealing with issues from COVID. And, and not not like, you know, oh, what are they going to do in the postseason, like that kind of thing. I, I worry for the guy. I, I know. I know. I've read. I've heard stories of, of otherwise healthy people who are going to have permanent lung who may have permanent lung damage who who may go through issues and and develop you know post covid health concerns that are that are permanent and it's just terrifying cuz you don't get to choose if that's something that happens to you it's just it's really scary and i hope for the absolute best for that guy obviously just cuz he just cuz everybody deserves it after this whole damn nonsense it, it's it's just scary 
Scott Merkins just tweeting this a few minutes ago. Uh, the press have talked to Carlos Rodon. Here's what I'll I'll just read what Merkin tweeted word for word. Right, Rodon said anybody on the pitching staff, including himself, wants that situation he was put into. You have to be ready when your name is called. Today it just didn't work. Rodon on Renteria. Any of us have to be ready for that kind of situation, especially going into the postseason. I'm the one who threw the pitch. I'm the one who gave up the hits. He had nothing to do with throwing any of the pitches, so it's not on him. I I will say this. That is, for a team that has been in the downward spiral that they have been the last four or five days, that is exactly how you want your postgame to go. That's, That's exactly word for word maybe not from Ricky exactly what you wanted to hear, but the sentiments just fine. Thanks. And that's, you know, you could take it, you could take it to Carlos Rodon as much as you want for the way he's pitched the last three years, but that's exactly what you're supposed to say. I've always been a big Carlos Rodon personality fan, just because of the way he presents himself. I mean, we've talked about in this podcast, how he lived in Chicago while rehabbing and just because he wanted to be around the clubhouse instead of going to Arizona. Um, but honestly, so that's what I, I kind of didn't get into when I wanted to, or I, I forgot about it when we were talking about him taking the mound. He's a very emotional guy. He's a guy that rides on his confidence. He talked about at the beginning of this year how it's the first time he's faced adversity with all the injuries that he's had to overcome. I mean, he was always the best player. He's the best player in high school. He's the best player in college. He made it to the major leagues less than a year or a little bit after a year after being drafted. So to put him in that spot where you need him to succeed, but succeed in a really tough spot, he's going to be hard on himself when he's not able to get out of it. So that's also what worries me is taking just a confidence hit for Carlos Rodon in that situation only because he holds himself up to that high of a standard where he believes he should be able to get out of it, even though he hasn't pitched in nearly two months and has hardly ever pitched in that type of situation. So that does worry me, but he does always handle himself like a pro. His comments that you just mentioned prove it. So hopefully he can get around that, and hopefully the team can respond off that too. So here's one other uh, Major League Baseball headline I want to get into. The Blue Jays clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2016. Have you seen Alejandro Kirk? That man is fat as hell and lovely as ever. That is just a beautiful baseball body. He reminds me of uh, a little bit of Deanna Navarro, possibly, but just... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Just a little bit more plump. Just a little bit more plump. Sure. Um, everyone loves the... Sure. The plump baseball player. I mean, that's why Pablo Sandoval was so loved by the fans. That's why Prince Fielder was, too. No, but I, I guess I didn't realize until you just said, uh, looking at him, yeah, oh, boy. He's uh, he's a round human. Oh, he's pudgy. You know what my... F- oh, yeah. My f- no, he's pudgy. My favorite uh, Onion article ever is Bartolo Colon rolls uncontrollably down a hill for days. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I was a big, I was a big Mo Vaughn guy because he was big and yeah. fat back in the day. Um, and nothing, you know, like 
Ron Coomer and Matt Stair as being on the same Cubs team in, what is that, 2000, something like that? 2001, yeah, they both played first base. I, I remember watching some of those games with my dad, and I, I remember my dad sitting down, like, really being into that team, because it's like, <laughs> it's me! It's it's me playing for the Cubs! Look at how fat those guys are, and look at how hard they hit the ball! It's me! Matt Stairs, I believe, is still the pinch-hit home run leader in the major leagues. Is he really? I did I, not I know that. I believe so, yeah. One more thing I want to bring up, and uh, I, I really do mean this. Um, <clears throat> the pandemic has forced us all into a whole bunch of non-traditional habits, right? One of them, though, that I will be sad to see go away is the post-game Zoom calls with either managers or players and the reporters. Because what happens every now and again is we get a gem like we did tonight where Vinny Duber, who is a damn good reporter for NBC Chicago and a fun guy to have a beer with every now and again, Vinny Duber has been doing this job for a long time, was on camera in his home... Before, as he's asking the Rodon question to Ricky Renteria, Vinny has grown out the hair. He's got the handlebar mustache, which is perfect. It connects. I mean, it's almost like right angles. Like you could, like the, this mustache would be on a GMAT exam to make sure that you knew corresponding angles. 90, either side, baby. And on one side of Vinny Duber is a picture of the king, Elvis. And the other is a poster of the giant size X-Men comic book, you know, the one where they introduce Wolverine and Nightcrawler and Storm and Colossus and Sunfire all at the same time. The the new X-Men have to go to Krakoa, the island, which in itself is actually a mutant, and the new mutants have to rescue the old mutants with the help of Kitty Pride. You know, Cyclops. You might as and, well be talking to a brick wall Cyclops right Cyclops and but Beast keep going. and and an angel and Iceman. We're all proud of you, kid. You know the original five. They're all they're all captured by Krakoa. So the new X Men have to go and save them. And they don't realize that the island itself is a mutant. Oh, sure. And the island actually comes back as a character in oh, a of lot course. of later X Men comics. I think it's in a big like Powers of Ten kind of thing. Yeah, right yeah. Now. He's going on the comic uh, book thing again. It's it's it yeah, was just it's be, a great poster a to bit. have, and and Vinny displaying that for everybody is awesome. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just just really really awesome. Let's get into the cops. What a what a horrible playoff team the Cubs are. <laughs> what a transition. What a, what a what transition a, about both these teams that we we have. What a horrible playoff team the Cubs are. They they are they're in trouble. Obviously, Chris Bryant being less than a hundred percent doesn't work for them. Doesn't work for Chris. Javi Baez is Javi Baez, and I just I. You, you are at a point now where you've just been leaking oil for the entire journey through this last month of baseball. It's, it's almost a disaster. I mean, it's not because you have a playoff spot and you don't have to play game 163, then lose that, then go lose to the Rockies where, you know, first to score the second run wins the ball game, even if it does take seven hours. I, I really had kind of talked myself into believing that this Cubs team 
would over the last couple of games, last week of baseball or so, facing the White Sox and definitely facing the Pirates, get the offense back to hobbled, I guess, or just like almost a thing, but they haven't. It's as ugly as ever, and now you've got Alec Mills being knocked around. You've got some bullpen pieces leaking some. It it all looks bad, Joe. I mean, if you can't hit Chad freaking cool... What are you doing with your time? If last year's team made the playoffs, I think I might have had more confidence in that team heading into the postseason than I do right now with this team. Said before, they're very lucky. They're It's a very good thing that this is not a 162-game season. But when you do think of that scenario, I don't see Chris Bryant playing as much this year. He probably has some time to rehab whatever issues he's dealing with, whether it's his hand, his wrist, or now his oblique. Maybe he works around it. Maybe Javier Baez needs that extra month to really get going. But boy, last time we talked, we said we were tired of dissecting this horrible Cubs offensive rut that they're in right now. It just continues, and now it's continuing against bad pitching. I mean, the highlight of the week was pretty much Anthony Rizzo homered the other day to tie the game. That was about it. I mean, those are highlights for a team that's in last place that you're looking forward to pulling some positives from. John Lester maybe has worked his way back into a number three spot of this rotation. We've been talking about him here and there. But, I mean, hey, David Ross said on Lawrence's show that he, he's got the confidence in him because of what he's done in the playoffs. He's been pitching better as of late. Alec Mills didn't look like his thrills Mills today against the Pittsburgh freaking Pirates. So I really don't know what to make of this team. All that being said, what if they do win two out of three and and move on to the next round? I mean, their their offense has to get really hot in order to have any confidence in this team whatsoever. And their offense hasn't even been close to hot. It hasn't even been warm since the first couple of weeks. I could see it. I mean, that's that's the strangest thing about this Cubs team is like, I could see them winning a series. I, I truly could. I could see the switch just going on because the, the only things we really understand about the offense is that typically it takes its walks, right? I mean, that's even when everybody's bad, it still has a, um, a relatively decent number of walks that means some base runners, which is why everyone tears their hair out because they don't hit with runners in scoring position. So I don't know, like in my head, if I go, okay, how do they win a playoff series? Well, they pitch well. Check that box. Kyle Hendricks still looks great, right? Even giving up the two solo shots. Like baseball fans should realize, Cubs fans especially, should realize how hard it is to reel it back in after giving up two shots like that to a terrible offense while your guys have been doing nothing for the better part of six weeks. Like, that that takes a superhero brain box like Hendricks has to go ahead and focus back in. So that's impressive, A. But So they pitch well. That's like step one of winning a playoff game. The other is the walks keep coming the, the way they kind of always had. And then... The thing that happens to Javi Baez when he gets hot, like whatever that is, that happens. No one no one knows the click or cue or tick that makes Javi all of a sudden turn into Javi Baez. 
But it hasn't happened all season long, save for like, what, a three-game stretch in Cincinnati and then one game on the way back home? Like, that was about it where he looked hot. If that happens, you, you got a chance of winning three games. You, you just do. Even as, as painful as everything has looked so far. I mean, right now, what they're relying on for the offense is just the drive and the edge of the playoffs to get these guys going. I guess you could see that being... Okay, yeah, I could definitely see that being the switch for Javier Baez. Is it going to be? That That is something we'll just have to wait and see. I guess I could see that even being for Anthony Rizzo, even though he has been swinging it better as of late. But again, when this whole offense goes downhill, except for Jason Hayward, which in a complete reverse universe, Jason Hayward is the most consistent, best hitter on this team, and it happens to be on this team where the offense just is cold as ice and a team that's been in first place. Have they been in first place every day this year? Has that been the case for them? I know they started 13-3. and three. I think they won their their first yeah. two. Yeah, they have. Yeah, that they have. That is they wild. Have. They have to have. That is wild. And, I mean, okay, the last time we talked, we thought for sure, maybe not for sure, but we were slightly confident that we would know the playoff matches by today by our next podcast. Yeah. We don't even know if either of these teams are going to win their divisions. No clue. I mean, the Sox are on the outside looking in. The Cubs, I mean, St. Louis is winning right now. They're probably going to win. So it's going to come down to a St. Louis doubleheader. The Cubs at least are in control of their own destiny. But even with the White Sox struggles, I don't love the Cubs against the Sox because they've they've really shown how they can handle the Cubs so well this weekend. It's such a unique weekend, and we did not see it this way like we thought it was going to be all right both teams battling for their playoff spots and it was going to be doggy dog Chicago world and then both teams are you know pretty good in the middle of the season they got their playoffs all wrapped up or at least looking like it and now they both hit just perennial slides and they're both just trying to get their season back on track before the playoffs start I mean do you want to ask the question of who it matters more to it's it's pretty even keel for both of them, right? I, it, it, in terms of in terms of wins, it probably it matters more to the White Sox. In terms of getting your season on track or getting your team on track and for the postseason, it's got it's got to matter more for the Cubs, right? Yeah, I think you know weirdly. Well, let me look at the pitching rotation. Well, I don't know if anybody's actually announced any any pitchers for the series. I know Dunning is supposed to go in Game Two. It's Cease and Darvish in Game 1 of the series. And then scheduled is Lester and Dunning for Game 2. And then the Cubs haven't announced anyone, but the White Sox have Reynaldo Lopez scheduled for Game 3. Okay, so that's a fill-in. That that happened tonight. I, I think with those guys going, right? Darvish and Cease. And then Lester and Dunning. And then what I assume would be... Uh, maybe even an Adbert Alzale start or something like that. I, I don't. Some, it could be guy. It could be guy. You know, it could be guy bullpen kind of thing. Given those six pitchers, if you just had three bloodbaths all weekend long, where where you had like fifteen to fourteen every game, and even if Darvish gets tuned up, that alone would be better for fan bases and their collective heart rates. Than anything else. Just if both teams just score a whole ton of runs and then they go, ah, it's the postseason, they'll pitch better probably. At least we scored a whole basket full of runs. 
in the last weekend of the series. That's the best case scenario for these last five, three through final days. I think so, definitely for the Cubs. You mentioned it. I, I think White Sox fans and the White Sox still want to see what Dane Dunning does in that last appearance, just to get a little bit clearer idea of who you're going to get in the postseason. I mean, since since both teams are in the playoffs, that last game's not really going to matter in terms of what guys do and last-minute decisions, because they're, they've already got a mapped-out plan of who's coming in when and things like that and getting everything set up. And who knows, we might have matchups by then. Probably not. Uh, but I don't think however Reynaldo Lopez does on that final day of the season on Sunday will determine anything about his playoff future in terms of how they're going to use him, because I, I just think they understand what they've got with him. Um, they've got a schedule he'll be on on Sunday. He could get lit up or he could be lights out, and I think it'll stay the same. Cubs announced their playoff roster. I have the email in front of me. There's 21 pitchers, 9 infielders, 6 outfielders, 4 catchers. It's it's the names, right? It's a 40-man roster. These are players they can all pull from. There's really no surprises on there one way or another. Kimbrel's on it. Josh Oshich is Josh. Osich is on it, or whatever the guy I said, he's on it too. That'd be a surprise. Uh, Colin Ray, Justin Steele. I'm just reading kind of the back end dudes because, you know, everybody else is on there. Someone named Patrick Wisdom is an infielder that's on that 40 man roster. I, I don't know if we've seen Wisdom so far this year. I, I don't think so. No. There's a lot of cheesy jokes to be made there about, oh, there hasn't been Wisdom on this podcast. And I'm we. sure Pat Hughes will have a field day with Patrick Wisdom. <laughs> Plenty on of the mound. zingy one liners there if Patrick Wisdom gets into the play. Um, I, I Listen, I, I guess what's, what's left is to just take it matchup by matchup for the Cubs. I, and, I, and I hate that it's come to that. Because to me, that's very much a, well, we'll see what happens kind of mindset for a team. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about my own mindset. I'm just worried that that team and its play has got me there. Right now, they're the three seed. And they would face the, uh, the Marlins, which, oh, okay, that's at least a 500 club. You're not playing in the American League where you got to face the fighting Alejandro Kirks in the eight seed. Like, you're you're okay there. I don't particularly want to face the Reds right now. They're playing exceptionally well and pitching even better. By the way, does it bug you at all that Trevor Bauer coming into the season made it known that, that look out for my spin rates this year, everybody look out, and it's proved in a book that the only way to improve spin rates is by putting a bunch of crap on your hands and then going to go pitch? Like, is that not bothering anyone? I mean, a lot of people get bothered by Trevor Bauer no matter what he does. So maybe this is just um... (laughs) some... So wait, science proved that you can only manipulate the ball that well with the foreign substance? Bauer Bauer did. Bauer's said it, and then in in uh, shit Ben Lindbergh's book, the 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 MVP machine. I forget who co-authored that with him. Oh, is it Eno? I can't remember. Eno Saris. Totally spacing. It might have been Eno. I don't think it was Eno. Anyway, Lindbergh's book, the MVP machine. That, that's all they talk about. It's like a, it's like three chapters of Bauer and and being interviewed by Lindbergh and talking about how there is no way to improve spin rate really once you get to a certain point, except for putting all bunch of crap on the ball. Maybe maybe he found a way, and that's what he's just doing to 
prove everyone like, oh, look at I found a way, even though it's scientifically impossible. Look at how great and fantastic I am. I still like Trevor Bauer, but he's very easy to make fun of and, and point fingers at. But I, I like that about him, and I like him for baseball that way. So so Bauer is like the uh, the random bait ad at the very bottom of the website. It's like this one <laughs> weird trick will help you add spin rate to your fastball. Hitters. Like Hitters hate him. Yeah, that's right. Hitters hate this. That's hilarious. Oh, that is Bauer. Bauer is the the very definition of clickbait. Either way, I you know I don't want to see him in the first round. I don't want to see the rest of the Reds either. Uh, truth be told, I haven't watched a whole lot of the Giants. I know Mike Yastrzemski is having a terrific season, but I haven't seen a lot of Giants baseball because we're doing these while the late games are playing, which is you know fine, no problem there. I. It's just it's just too bad that you know, and I, I guess the postmortem on this this Cubs era can wait for another day, but it's just too bad that it seems more likely than not to be going out with a whimper. You know? It, it's just it's gonna fizzle away and instead of guys who were on trajectories for the Hall of Fame, well, at least one of them was, they're they're now gonna be Guys who have their number retired at some point, you know, either figuratively or literally, and, and never have to buy a drink in Chicago. But what does the story of, of Anthony Rizzo really look like? What does the story of Javier Baez really look like? Like, yes, obviously, part of some of the 26 most important, 25 most important Cubs of all time. Yeah. It, it should have been more. Going into this playoff run, it's all right, we'll wait and see. That's not a. It's not an excuse. It's just kind of what it is. And again, the whole Chris Bryant situation, I, I mean, it's unfortunate that let's say this this is the end for Chris Bryant as a Cub, that it just had to happen this way with a 60-game season and an injured barred year and just just a whole lot of nothing coming from the guy. And I mean, a lot of things out of his control, if not most things, if not all things out of his control. We talked about it a few weeks ago about assessing this team and the team's future and even bringing up the fact of of blowing up, maybe not blowing up, but doing some type of rebuild once again with this organization. And you said it has to come the day the Cubs are eliminated in the postseason. But but yeah, that is kind of the way you have to look at it, Just just the way that baseball goes these days. When you've got expiring contracts and underperforming players and a couple of assets that can help you win, what is there left for you to do? It's a surging league. It's a tough league. You have to be the absolute best to win it all. You can't just be good enough really anymore. You have to be the absolute best. At least the last few years have shown us that. Or you can bring a trash can into your dugout and a camera out in the center field. That can help too. But that's that's the difference nowadays is... Like Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein said when they first got the team, we're not looking for lightning in a bottle. We're looking for sustainable success year after year with proven players. And they had a method that clearly worked for one World Series championship of stocking up on young hitters and buying pitching because that's the more reliable way to go about it. And I did agree. I probably still do agree. But... There's a lot of players that were just hung on to for way too long for just reasons that might seem like only bias because that's that's all they had going for them. And there's there's a lot of easy guys to root for on that team, but 
But yeah, it's it's unfortunate that the 16 Cubs could very well become the 85 Bears. That is our baseball from home. Oh, Joe, that's just like a big... Here you go, Cubs fans. Here's a swift kick to the rocks on your way out. We'll catch you. <laughs> that is just... That's tough. But it really could be. It really could... Yeah. Should, we, should we change the music? Should we turn off Spoon and... Just the, it's there is no closed music tonight. There's just the sad trombone, over and over and over. You will hear episode 19 when we uh, when we release it Monday morning. We will likely record it. Well, it's everybody's going to play at 2:10 on Sunday. So Joe and I are going to sit down. We're going to do the podcast as quickly after Sunday's games end as we can. So you may have it Sunday night. We will also on that podcast reveal to you our plan for breaking down postseason games for both the Cubs and the White Sox. That plan will be unveiled as soon as you know we make it. So looking forward to that. Thanks for listening to Baseball from Home. We will catch you Sunday night. Happy playoffs. When you're riding 16 hours and there's nothing much to do And you don't feel much like riding You just wish the trip was through See, here I am On the road again There I am on the stage Here I go Playing star again There I go Turn the page Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.